Do you want to start a podcast but think you're not ready? Do you want to start a podcast but think it's too hard? I thought the same thing before I heard about Anchor. Anchor is an easy and efficient way to create and upload your podcast. Anchor also allows you to upload your podcast to streaming outlets such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and multiple other streaming outlets. You can simply go to the website www.anchor.fm to sign up today and start podcasting. Hello. What is up, everybody? It's another episode. Brotherly Love of Sports. Thank you for tuning in. It's your host, Corey Lovett. And I'm here with my co-host and my brother, Carl Lovett. How we doing, man? Happy New doing? Year. How you doing, man? Happy New Year. I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing I good. can't complain. It's another year, man, so. Yeah. Just glad to Could see. Could have started better, but. Yeah, but, you know, just glad to see another year, man, so. Hope you all are doing well out, out there. Hope you yeah, all had, absolutely. A, had, a, had a safe, uh, happy, happy new year. Happy new year, everybody. Hope you were safe. Happy and, holidays uh, and everything. So Good blessings to you for the rest of 2023. Absolutely. But uh, let's start off with a kind of a, 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 rough, a rough topic here. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a somber, somber tone here, but obviously we, we have to, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, um, obviously... We were all watching that Monday night game when uh, DeMar Hamlin made a tackle in the first quarter on T. Higgins, um, got up and then took a couple steps and collapsed and was administered CPR. And, uh, I mean, this is pretty much a worldwide story now, so I don't really have to go over all the details. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone everyone knows what pretty much what happened. But, I mean, I'll just start off by saying – Number one, obviously, you know, prayers go out to him and his family and, Absolutely. you know, thoughts and prayers go out to him and just, 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 you know, I can only, only imagine what they're, what, you know, what they're, what the family is going through right now. But man, just, just a quick, quick takeaway and reaction. I was, I was actually watching this game, you know, when, when this took place and man, I've been watching, watching football for pretty much all my life, man. And uh, you know we we've seen we've seen injuries and we've seen you know guys tear their ACLs, guys have gruesome cat, catastrophic injuries, guys you know even you know being paralyzed on the field. But in all my years of watch, watching football, man, I I can honestly say I've I've never seen anything like this, never seen anything like this, man. And this was this was this was scary, man. This was really scary. And I, you know, I'm watching. I'm watching the game, and obviously, you know, I think it's, you know, and this, this is. It seemed like what, what we would think as a, as a, as a routine tackle. You know, you looked at it. You, you know, you hear Joe Buck and and Troy Aikman. They cut to break. You know, you think it's just an injury. You know, they come back from that second commercial break, and he's still down. And you know, I'm kind of thinking, okay, you know, maybe it's just an injury. Maybe it's just a really bad injury. But after that third third commercial break, I started saying yeah. I started kind of because it, it's not often that you know usually it's it's just a regular injury and you know they come back from commercial break and then you know you get an update on the guy. But this was this this was totally different, man. This this was a life or death situation. This was not a an injury as we know it and as we as we as as that we have become used to. This wasn't an ACL. This wasn't a catastrophic, you know, gruesome injury. This was life or death here. And by that time, when I seen the the ambulance come out, I knew that this was a, this was a serious ordeal, man. This, this was, a, this was, this was serious. And man, and it's just, it's just so sad, man. And I just hate this. Um, Like, man, you know, we love, we love the game of football, man. We love the game of football. But, and we all knew coming into Monday night that this was an important game. But, man, none of that mattered. None of that mattered, man. The most most important thing was was DeMar Hamlin's health, man. And, like I said, I'll wrap it up here and I'll kick it over to you. But, all, all just to kind of sum it up, man, just 
just you know it was it was scary to see man like i said never seen anything like that in my entire time of watching football but you know prayers and, and thoughts are with his family right now in this tough difficult time man yeah a- absolutely um like and like you said obviously the most important thing right now is the health of demar hamlin and um you know, just him, you know, being able to recover, like, f- f- like j- just to, you know, get on track to live a normal, on path to live a normal life. Football is the is the furthest thing from everybody's mind right now. The most important thing should be the health of DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, absolutely. So thoughts and prayers are definitely with him and his family and everybody impacted by this just, just, just horrific, horrific, horrific event. And yeah, like you, I was sitting there Monday night. I was actually out with some friends uh, and we were, you know, watching the game and, you know, I, I seen I, I seen this play happen. You know, I seen I seen you know T Higgins catch the ball, and I seen you know the the play when it's transpired, and you know, and once he made the tackle, I, I looked away. I didn't see. I, I initially didn't see him rise to his feet, and you know, and then ultimately collapse. I didn't I didn't see that you no know, initially happen live. I don't know if you did or not, but I I, I, I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. So I, I looked up and he was on the ground. So yeah, I'm, I'm like like most people thinking, you know, they cut the commercial break. You know, most most of you know it was a it was a it was a high speed collision play. You know, you thinking that you know what the norm is. You know, he either took a shot in the head or something like that. But very quickly, it started to become very 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 clear that this was a situation that was that that that, that this isn't normal. And how I kind of got that sense is when you know they cut the commercial break. And they came back, and like you said, the ambulance was immediately out on the field. And they, you know, usually when, you know, you have an injury like that and the player's down, you know, they kind of, you know, show, you know, what's going on. They really show the player when he's down. They had the camera as far as away from this as they possibly could. And they cut the commercial break, you know, instantly. And you can just tell the tone and, and, and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman's voice that, you know, this was this is something that's, you know, this is something dire here. And, you know, like you said, we, 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 we've seen, you know, you know, gruesome injuries happen and things like that take mm-hmm. place on the basketball court and the football field. You know, uh, I remember years ago, me and you were watching, you know, on opening night, we were watching together uh, Gordon Hayward when he went up and came down and mm-hmm. ultimately snapped his leg in half. That was a surreal moment for right. me. You know, because you you can just see the air and everything gets sucked out. But this was something to a completely different degree. You know, we talked about, you know, earlier this year, the situation with Tua. I said that was something that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And, man, I, I don't know, man. It, it must be something about Cincinnati on, on primetime games because, you know, we, that, that, that Tua incident, this incident here, and you remember years ago the hit that ultimately ended Ryan, Ryan Shazier's Shazier. career. That also happened in Cincinnati. So, man, I don't know what's up with that. But yeah, anyway, like I was saying, it 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 became abundantly clear that this was a situation that you know was was very 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 bad. And you know, and I I don't know what the full story is. You know, people were saying, you no, know, the NFL gave gave these these men, you know time to recuperate and then they ultimately had you know the 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 agenda was to get resume on with the game i don't know if that's true or not i don't know what to believe but i know but what i do know is this looking at the at the faces of those men on that field on both sidelines on the bills on the Bengals, looking at sean mcdermott's face sean taylor josh allen joe burrow looking at the faces of all of those men on that field it was abundantly clear that that was not possible there was no way that you can resume a football game after something like this took place. Absolutely not. And, you know, for all those out there, you know, saying, you know, uh, wondering, you know, if, you know, what, what, uh, you know, the, what, what, how the NFL is going to handle this moving forward, I, I, I think this is a situation where we all just need to let play out. Because the first thing is now that everybody needs to be concerning themselves with is this is this the health and well being of this young man? Is he is he's gonna be okay? We need to let we need to let that be the main focus right now, and then let everything else figure itself out. And but yeah, like you said, man, what what, what a what a horrific, surreal, surreal thing. I've never seen anything like it. 
And, yeah, this is a moment that's going to stick with me, and I, I'll always remember where I was and what I was doing the night that DeMar Hamlin, unfortunately, and you know, went down with and the these these things took place so yeah man just pr- prayers to him his family um his mother who was there in the tennis who rode with him in the ambulance thank god that they that they were there can you imagine yeah can you just imagine Buffalo? what that would be like watching that on tv oh man that, that's just but and you know it's been reported that you know obviously you know he had to be um you know uh, they had to perform CPR on the field, but it's been reported that he also went into cardiac arrest again on the way to the hospital. Again, he also had to be revived again. So I, I just this is just a horrible thing and that you hate to see. You never want to see anything like this happen. But the NFL has a big opportunity here in the way they handle this because too many, a lot of times, you know, they've had the opportunity to show that there there are more important things outside of the game of football, and they've dropped the ball in a lot of in a lot of a lot of cases in a lot of instances in, in that regard. So I'll, I'll be very interested to see how the NFL, Roger Goodell, and those guys, you know, upper tier, how they handle this because the main thing right now should be Demar Hamlin and his well being and his health. Nothing else matters right absolutely. now. Absolutely, and, and to your point. There's no, absolutely no way that they could have resumed that game. No, absolutely. Not. I, I, I mean, like you said, even as a Bengal, but um, more importantly, as a Buffalo Bill, like there's no way that I that I can go out here and, and, and muster up enough enough energy to go out here and, and resume a football game when I don't even know if my teammate is alive at that point. Come on, yeah. So, no so to your point, like you said, I, I, we're not here to speculate whether or not they were given five minutes. But here's here's, here's the thing, like I think. I, first of all, I think the NFL had no choice but to not resume the game. But, you know, like we said, we've never seen this happen. So th- there, there's not a manual f- for this. Yeah, yeah. there's no guideline. There, for there's this, no, no playbook. There's no guideline for this. There, there's no. So there's. So I think the NFL, you know, obviously they, like I said, they had no choice but to, you know, not resume that game. But. Like like you said, just kind of to wrap this up, man. This is this is just so unfortunate. It was one a horrific horrific event. You know, we all should be, you know, praying for Demar, whether you pray or not. You know, we all should, you know, whoever whoever your higher power is, you should you should be, you know, praying for him, and and he should be in mm-hmm. your thoughts. So, absolutely, prayers absolutely. for Demar. Prayers for Demar and. I just want to say, man, that 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 that's like like you said, man. This is this is something that you know we've been watching football pretty much uh, pretty much since we were little. So like to see something like this, this man. Yeah, I mean, and, and when you just when you just take it all into account of like what we witnessed, like what was taking place, like what actually, I mean, you know what you saw, but when you actually like try and process what you think, because we've seen, like I said, we've seen injuries that, and, and you know, in in, in sports that have ultimately, you know, ended seasons, ended careers. But this is the first time that, you know, that uh, that the, the game of sports, the beautiful game of sports that we love could have claimed someone's life. And it, it's just like, you know, it, it's something that you never – like I said, it almost seems surreal, but it, it, it's something that's going to always continue to stick with me and I'm never going to forget it. And yeah. like I said – And I think sometimes, man, we we, we don't – we we see these players. I was just talking about football because I mean all athletes, but football players. We see these players on Sunday, Thursday, and Mondays. And sometimes I think we forget that these guys have lives. These guys mm-hmm. have families. Like football, at that moment when Demar Demar Hamlin went down, football was was deemed irrelevant at that to point. To everybody involved in this, it was deemed irrelevant. Man, this this became a real life situation. And you know this is a sports show, but if I could just say, you know, De- Demar Hamlin and and his family, his mother, she went she went to that stadium intending to see her son play a football game. Mm-hmm. She did not go in that stadium thinking that, that her this, son's life that, was at that risk. this could be the last time that her son take takes a breath. So what I will wow. say, like I said, that this is a sports show, but this this is real life, guys. Love the people who who are in your lives today, man. Because you just never know at, mm-hmm. at, at a split second. DeMar Hamlin did something that he's been doing his whole life. 
He, he he laced up, he put his pads on, he put his helmet on, probably the same way he's been doing since he was little, since he played football. But he didn't know that that could possibly be his last the furthest snap thing from his mind. Or, or maybe or, or, last, or, any, last or anybody's you know? mind. So you just, it, it, in, in a blink of an eye, it could be all be over, guys. So just love the people who, who are near and dear to you today, man. Yeah. Just Still, cherish life. Cherish life, man. It, it's a precious thing, it's, man. So, it's a precious and fragile thing. But yeah, just the. Just to wrap it up, man, like we said, the the sincerest prayers and thoughts go out to DeMar Hamlin and his family. Absolutely. So let's transition to um let's transition to, to some sports talk here. Yes. Obviously, um over the weekend we seen college football playoff. <laughs> and I know you may not be a little you may not be happy about this, so um I'm a little disappointed too, but We've seen uh, the matchup with TCU and Michigan. Uh, TCU pulled off an upset, uh, 51-45 over Michigan. And uh, Georgia got off with a nail-biter, 42-41 to over Ohio State. And I'll let you go on this because I know you're a Ohio State fan. Give me your takeaways. Well, I, 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 I'll, start with the, I, I'll start with the Michigan and TCU and then work my way to Ohio State. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Obviously, me being an Ohio State fan, I wasn't you no know, thrilled, you know, to say the least. But I mean, a- as a fan of football, you what got a weekend. yeah, you got every bit in, every bit of what you could have hoped for in both of these games. Both of these games were unbelievable, and I watched every second of every last one of them. Um, Michigan, Michigan, and TCU. Listen, I, 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 I said. You know, I think I can't remember what you said, but I said, you know, going into TCU has a very good chance to win this football game because they did in this game what I think they've done to a lot of teams this year, which is they 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 they've surprised a lot of people with how physical they play and how fast they play. And this team does not waver, man. They don't. They've been in they they've been in in in, in high leverage situations and close ball games all year. And every time Michigan, you know, whether they were able to pull away a little bit early and Michigan, you know, even when Michigan looked like they were about to, you know, rally and, you know, take off every every time they made a play where you thought they were going to take off this game, TCU had an answer. And we'll get into our prediction of what we think on coming on, uh, on the upcoming national championship game later in a little bit. But I'll tell you, TCU is legit. And the question of whether they deserve to be here or not should not should not be a question anymore. I think they've answered that bill. They checked off all the boxes. They are a legit football team, and they play a style of play that's difficult for anybody. And they play fast. They play physical, and they have a quarterback uh, who's an elite playmaker, and they have an elite receiver in Quentin Johnston. They're they're a handful, and they they're a tough matchup for any team that they play. But uh, from as far as Michigan standpoint, yeah, you got to if you're Michigan, you have to be disappointed in the way you played. I think more so definitely from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you you come in giving up 13 points per game, yeah. and you give up 51. Now, uh, let me say, we were singing the high praises of J.J. McCarthy, you know, going up to this game, and he did not play well at all in this game. He made a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, he he, he uh, the, those two those two turnovers, those two interceptions he threw, I think they, I think there were two pick sixes two he pick threw. Two pick sixes. Yeah, were, were, were just catastrophic. So uh, that, that didn't help, but – D- defensively, yeah, they gave up a lot of big plays, and like, and like I said, credit TCU. They deserve all the credit in the world. But yeah, Michigan, you have to be disappointed in the way this game unfolded because this this is the game that you couldn't that you couldn't afford to get in. You know, if you were Michigan, this game needed to be more so along the lines of of, of twenty one to twenty six if you were going to win this game. Michigan's not built to win a game like this. The fact that they even that they came close enough and put up as many points as they did, I think, is shocking. Yeah, all props to TCU, man. Because I like last week, I, I said I didn't, I didn't, I was one of those guys who I just, I thought they were in over their head, and uh, yeah, they proved me wrong, man. So shout out to them, man. Michigan, you yeah, like you said, if you if you're a Michigan man, if you're a Michigan fan, you you're obviously disappointed. You gotta I be mean, disappointed. You've lost the last your last five five bowl games, and that may fall yeah. on Jim Harbaugh, but regardless. You know, and I think Michigan caught a little bit of bad break because I think that was a touchdown. Um, it was to the receiver. There were a lot of questionable calls in there that game. There were a lot of questionable calls, but but even then, you're on the one line, one yard line. You can't fumble that football. So I mean, 
I think the refs got it wrong, but still, you're at the one line, one yard line. I think you should be able to get that in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, TCU really surprised me, and uh, Michigan really disappointed me, disappointed me because I'm I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh, and I'm gonna ask you a little bit uh, later about you know Jim Harbaugh where he may end up mm-hmm. uh, next year. But I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh, man. I th- I think he's a tremendous coach. But um, yeah, I was a little disappointed, man. I thought Michigan, I thought Michigan had all all, all the tools to. to to win a national championship this year, I, really I did, did too. I did too. I really did. I absolutely so, did so too. So this, 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 this is probably one of their most disappointing losses in the Jim Harbaugh tenure. Yeah. No so doubt. I mean, and, and no disrespect to Max Duggan and TCU, and 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 no disrespect to TCU. I mean, they like I said, they proved me wrong. But I just, I just think Michigan. They fumbled the bag not, in this one. Not this is not to dis, dis, discredit TCU because they, like you said. When Michigan was about seemed like it was about to rally, TCU did what they needed to do. Absolutely, but not to discredit TCU. But I feel like Michigan more so beat themselves. You can than, definitely than, make that case. TCU beat. Like them. I said, absolutely get, get TCU credit because every every time Michigan, you know, made look like they were going to seize the momentum, TCU answered. So you got to give them credit for that. But Michigan is going to turn on that table back in this game, and they are going to be very, very disappointed in what they see. Absolutely, they shot themselves in the foot countless times. And it was plenty. Of, it was plenty of times in this game where they should have seen, took this game by throw it, and just imposed their will on TCU, and they didn't do it. So yeah, Michigan has to give TCU credit. But yeah, if you're if you're a Michigan fan, you're you're very disappointed. Now, to the second game. Speaking of disappointment, <laughs> talk to me now. I said, you know, originally, initially when these playoff when these final four got released, and I seen that we were playing up against Georgia. I said going into that game, I said I like my chances to win. I'm not picking. I'm not picking my Buckeyes to win, but I like my chances to win because I don't like the matchup for Georgia. I said, you know, the way to beat Georgia is that you have to have elite quarterback play, and you have to have elite playmakers on the outside that can make plays and win one-on-one matchups, and that's what Ohio State possesses. Georgia had no answer for Ohio State on defense, none whatsoever, none. C.J. Stroud played the best game of his life. He played as good as you can play. Ryan Day called one of the best games of his life. There's no question in that. And, you know, there were some questionable things in this game, too. You know, uh, you know the targeting call. Okay, first of all, Marvin Harrison going down really definitely changed the complexion of oh, this absolutely. game. I mean, I, I think if he, doesn't, if he doesn't go down, you know, I think it's obvious that, you know, Ohio State probably wins this game. And you can, and which is ironic, you can make because, the case going going away is kind of yeah, and which which is the same case that can be made last year in the national championship game against Alabama that Georgia with when Jameson Williams ultimately went down, so it was kind of like you know you know second hells there, but listen, you can you you can pinpoint this Ohio State loss on 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 this play that play there, you know the thing you know you can say the kick at the end you can blame that, but. The the main thing that ultimately beat Ohio State is again what would beat them in the mission the defense. When you continue to give up big plays, that is the most demoralizing thing that that you that you can do in a big game because that that I mean that that just that just changes the whole complex uh, complexion of the game when you give up big plays and people say oh man they look listen you you can't fall down. When you I don't I don't care who you play if you up fourteen. In the fourth quarter, I don't care who you playing. I don't care if you playing against Georgia. I don't care if you playing against uh, Lacole Culinary Culinary School. <laughs> I expect you. I expect you to win that game. If you're the program that you are in Ohio State, I expect you to win that game. And you know, th- th- there's so many. I mean, like I said, Marvin Harrison going down definitely changed the complexion of the game. Cade Stover going down really changed things for Ohio State. But the two people who took the main who 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 took so much heat after the Michigan game, I think definitely without a question resurrected themselves, and that was C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day. And all those people that was calling for Ryan Day's job after that Michigan loss, give me a break, man. This guy has done a tremendous job. He, he, he really has. Now, you can question, you know, his, his aggressiveness at times, and, and, and you can question, you know, whether, I mean, does he take enough chances? He laid it all out there in this game. And really, if I if I if I was gonna bring it, if I like I said, it's hard for me to boil this game down to one play. But if I was gonna do that, I would say the biggest moment in this game was the fake punt that Kirby Smart called the timeout on. 
because they had that. And if you pick up that first down, you, you, you're talking about you chew up an extra three, four minutes off the clock. And I think at that point, you know, I think it's hard for to imagine Georgia come back and win that game. So credit Kirby Smart for, you know, because the last thing that he wants to do being down two scores in the fourth quarter is burn a timeout right there. Absolutely. And so he had to hear from somebody. So credit to him or whoever up in the booth that told him, hey, you need to call a timeout now. And he did it, and that saved that game. But, you know, ultimately, the, the thing the thing that beat Ohio State again was the defense. I mean, you can't you can't give up 42 points and expect to win. In, in in this game, you just can't do it. And like I said, C.J. Stroud was unbelievable, and I think he really opened up a lot of eyes going into this NFL draft. On because the plays that he was able to make with his legs, I really think you know because that was a lot of thing I heard questions on C.J. Stroud was he athletic enough? I think he answered that question. But yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna let you go, and then we're gonna get into what we're gonna think for Monday night. But yeah, ultimately, what beat Ohio State, what did Ohio State then was the defense because. Stetson Bennett wasn't great in this game either. You know, he 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 missed a lot of throws. He looked at like he was, you know, unraveling out there at times. And, you know, for the most part of the game, they did a very good job of containing Brock Bowers too. I mean, he, he made a lot of plays late, but for the most part throughout the duration of the game, they did a very good job on him. They just cannot close the deal. And, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, the kick at the end, listen, I'm not going to blame the kicker. You but know, you, you hate place kicking, though. I, I I absolutely hate place kicking. You wish it was out of I the game. I wish it was out of the game. So, I, I in fairness, I can't be, you know, have that type of, you know, thought process and then kill the kicker for missing that kick because I didn't expect him to make it anyway. <laughs> and, and let me kind of elaborate on that. The reason that I hate place kicking is because the role that it plays in games in, 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 of this magnitude. You know, though C.J. Stroud, you know, Ryan Day, all those men out there for, for – for for sixty for for six for fifty nine minutes and 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 twenty eight seconds, they went out there and laid it all out on the line to have a chance to win this game. And this non football player, because that's basically what they are, they're non football players who have spent eighty percent of the game on the bench has to come out there and decide the fate of this game. I just hate that concept. That's why, like you know, I I just hate. I mean, because I I ask all the time, head coaches, who do you trust more? some kid with a strong leg that's a captain of the chess team to go out there and win the game, or C.J. Stroud, who, who, who's arguably the best quarterback in the, in, in, in the country. <laughs> you know, so – and that was a choke job. Like I said, I didn't expect him to make it anyway. But he duck-hooked that from like, for like, from like 10 feet. It didn't have a prayer of going in. That was a choke. I'm not blaming him for losing the game, but that's what it was, and that's why I hate place kicking. But anyway, yeah, I, obviously I was disappointed, but I, I – if you're just a fan of college football, you had to be thrilled with what you've seen. These are two incredible games, and hopefully the national championship game, you know, does nothing just all but combats that. Yeah, let's get into that. Let's get into the national championship game, man. So obviously, we we see it's Georgia and TCU. Um, I'm not I'm not picking against TCU anymore. I mean, but you ain't gonna pick with them. <laughs> exactly. But I, I I'll say what I will say. I'm not gonna sell them short this time. I'm not gonna sell them short because I mean they they showed me a lot. They showed they showed me some grit. They showed me some heart. They showed me a lot against Michigan because we've seen teams like teams of this like magnitude. Like you know, I mean, because we 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 all can agree that TCU is kind of, for lack of a better phrase, the eye man out in this college football playoff because they're not like a blue blood like Michigan, right. Ohio State. So we like teams like this. Like you said, when Michigan was was going to rally, we've seen teams like that kind of like lie down and kind of like, oh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. you right. got you guys are playing well. Okay, go ahead. So for them to, you know, when Michigan was going to rally, for them to answer and continue to answer and continue to answer and to continue to hit Michigan in the mouth, that showed me a lot of grit and heart. So that tells me that they're not going to be scared of Georgia. No, absolutely not. They're not going to back down from Georgia. And like you said, they their quarterback is 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 he was a Heisman finalist this year. So, I mean, they they're I mean, receiver. If, if you look at, I mean, if you basically kind of look at how TCU plays, they're they're pretty much a lesser version of Georgia. I mean, they're, they're very physical, they're very fast, and you know, I think I I, I think you know where they can exploit that the, they have to they, they they have to be watching their game. They have to be watching their game tape of Ohio State right now. That's what they need to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Because they have the playmakers on the outside. Now, 
obviously the health of their star running back who got banged up in that game, that's going to play a big part in this. Uh, Kendry, hopefully he can get out there and be played. But their backup running back really played well in that game too. So I think they're they're built to run the football. They're built to play physical. They're built to play fast. I'm not picking them in this game. But I do think Georgia's going to have to play one of their better games if they want they're to win this game. P, P, P's and Q's. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm – I'll be honest, you know, I'm rooting for TCU in this one. I'm I will the, be too. I'm rooting for the underdog. I'm rooting for the underdog. Nothing against Georgia, but I mean, TCU earned it against Michigan. They're gonna have to earn it against Georgia. I'm rooting for TCU, but I mean, obviously the smart pick is Georgia. So I mean, I'm probably gonna. I mean, do I expect Georgia to win this game? Yes, I do. But would I be shocked if they didn't? No, I wouldn't no, be shocked. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Not at all. Because I think TC, TCU, you know, like I said, they've been in these games all year. You know, they've, they've, they've been in close games all year. They've been in high leverage situations all year. And, you know, they just seem to not get rattled. And they just seem to play with a mental toughness that's just as tough as the way they play. And like I said, I'm not picking them to win this game. But if Georgia thinks that they're, that they're just going to come in here and just roll their athletes on the field and that's going to be good enough, no. They're going to have to play a much better game than they played against Ohio State to win this game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you look at Georgia, man, I know I know a lot of people kind of, you know, Stetson Bennett is not like this huge, you know, Marquine Ham like a C.J. Stroud or a Bryce Young. But, I mean, he, he, you know, I mean, obviously he's 25 years of age. Years of age. He, he's, he's, he's a veteran in, in the college game. So, so he, 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 he knows, he knows what, he's got experience in this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, he, he was a starter last year, um, took over the job from uh, Daniels, um, so he he's experienced, man. Yeah, he's so, been here before. So, so, yeah, he, so won't, he, he won't so, be. So the thing, I this is the thing. I don't think I don't think Stetson Bennett is going to be, for lack of a better word, rattled in this. Because and that and that that's what's kind of giving me the ed, giving Georgia the edge here is experience because they've been here before. They've got it. TCU. This is probably the biggest game that a lot of these guys are ever going to play in their lives. So I mean. When you look at the experience, that probably will give Georgia the edge. But I don't think TCU is going to back down. Well, yeah, not I, one and, bit. And I think that may also play, you know, that may also play into the advantage for TCU. Because those guys are going to, like you said, for the most of those, I mean, they don't they don't have the the, the, the talent and the, play, the players to the talent level of Georgia. You know, Georgia's like 80% of the players that step on the field for Georgia are going to play at the next, or going to play in the NFL. You know, and for TCU, for most of their team, this is going to be the biggest game that these guys have ever played in or ever played in for the rest of their lives. So, I mean, this is this is going to be it for them. So they're going to go out there and they're going to lay it all on the line, and they're not going to no they're, they're not going to they're not going to hold anything back. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping that it's a real. I think it's a very competitive game. I will pick Georgia. I don't like to pick scores, but I'm going to. Uh, I, I say I'm picking Georgia right now to win this game. 28 to 24. Close but four. It, 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 if if Georgia thinks that they don't have they're, they're not going to have to play their one of their better games of the season. They're going to have they can they can go out there and play the, play the way that they played against Missouri or Kentucky or teams like that and that's going to be good enough to win this game. Kirby, you got another thing coming. You better you you, you better you, you better get on your tablet, bro, because TCU ready. Absolutely. So uh, let, let's stick with college football here, man. I want to talk a little bit about uh Jim Harbaugh. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So obviously, um, we've seen that you know Michigan made it to the college football playoff again, lost in the first round um, once again. Um, like I said, I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh, man. So there's there's been a lot of speculation about him, um, you know, where he will be next year, whether he'll return to Michigan, whether he whether he'll take one of these uh, NFL jobs. But for me, man, if you look at Jim Harbaugh. This is my thing on Jim Harbaugh. Like I said, I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh. I think he wins. If you look at him over over his coaching career, man, San Diego, he turned that program into a winning program within instantly. Basically, instantly. yeah. He goes to Stanford. Obviously, he has Andrew Luck. That helps a little bit, but he turned that program around. Then he goes to the NFL, and that and and that's one thing that we we don't really see a lot. You don't you don't you see don't those see transitions college, like that. You don't see no. college coaches uh-uh. have high have heavy success in the NFL. Look at Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, there's only two so, I can think of. You know, Barry Switzer and, and Jimmy Johnson are the only two absolutely. I can really think of. So he makes that transition to the 49ers. Oh, Pete Carroll too. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Pete Carroll. 
So he makes that transition to the 49ers, and he does something that a lot of coaches have have ever done. He goes to three straight NFC championships, and he takes that team to a Super Bowl. And I believe they were probably a play away from winning that Super Bowl. So, and then he goes to Michigan. What, what did he go to, like, th- three straight NFC championship games or something like that? Yeah three, yeah, yeah, three straight NFC championship <laughs> games. And he goes to Michigan. And he turns that program completely around, which is his alma mater. Mm-hmm. So, if, so if you look at Jim Harbaugh, he'll, he'll give you instant success. But here's the thing with Jim Harbaugh. We've seen a history and we've seen a pattern of him not winning the big game. Yes. Not winning the big the big game. Mm-hmm. So he he'll he'll bring instant success. But like I said, and, and I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh. I I think he's a tremendous coach. He he knows his stuff. He's a hard, tough coach. But you know, he's and you know, the record speaks for itself. You know, it's it's just facts. If you look at it, he has trouble winning the big games. But, you know, it's been reported that, you know, one of these head coaching jobs, probably um, the Carolina Panthers, he's been in contact with the owner. And uh, I don't really know if there are any, like, marquee jobs out there right no, now. I mean, any, any, yeah. any jobs that really stand out? I mean, the Carolina job, I mean, that's kind of a mess. But, like I said, you know, it's not like Jim Harbaugh hasn't turned messes around, mess around before. Um, the Denver job, would you really, would you really want to want Jim Harbaugh to step in there and try to fix Russ? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't really know. Um, for me, his best bet is probably to stay in Michigan right now. Yeah. And like, when you look at the landscape of those, some of those opportunities that are out there in NFL, clearly I think, you know, cause the Carolina job, come on, no. I mean, how, how could that be more? How, how could that be appealing at all to Jim Harbaugh, someone like Jim Harbaugh? I mean, yeah. And I, I would love to see Steve Wilkes get an opportunity to kind of, you know, Absolutely. combat what he what he did this year, which I because I, I think he's done an unbelievable job with this team to even have them where they are right now. I would love to see him, you know, kind of, you know, get the full range and see how how far he can go with this team after that just pathetic showing, pathetic, you know, bone that he got tossed in Arizona for Cliff Kingsbury. But anyway. <laughs> um, but here, here's the thing with Jim Harbaugh, because clearly his his heart is in the NFL, I, I think. And every every offseason, it seems like his name is getting thrown out there for these NFL head coaching jobs while he's still at while while, while he while he's being the coach at Michigan. And I would just say if if I'm Michigan. You know, if I'm those if if I'm those sponsors or those boosters, I'm, if I'm the athletic director, that that can't be an appealing look to these kids and these recruits that you're trying to get brought into your program where your head coach, you know, is entertaining all these other job offers every 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 year. I mean, so I think Jim Harbaugh, I think his his coaching style and his 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 you know who he is as his personality, I think it, it fits more towards the NFL. Opposed to the co- opposed to the college game, and you mentioned it. Everywhere the guy goes, he has instant success. Everywhere he's been, you know, like you said, you you alluded to he's 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 not he 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 struggled to win the big games everywhere he's been. But if you're if you're if you're if you're an organization, if you're a franchise who feels that you have a, a team ready to compete right now, and you need someone to come in and just you know lead the ship, and you know motivated team I think Jim Harbaugh is the guy and I think he's proven that but what Jim Harbaugh has to ask himself is how how you know how appealing is that to him opposed to the situation that he's in now you know a lot of a lot of talk is being talked up about the Broncos job I don't know if that's more appealing I, I don't know if something like that would appeal to Jim Harbaugh because I mean do you really want do do you really want to take on that challenge of like what what Russ has done to this locker room, I, you know? And they can come out and say, you know, they can defend Russ all they want to, you know, talking about some, you know, they tie like all these. Listen, we see what we see on the sidelines. We, we we see you know defensive players coming off the sideline challenging Russ. We see KJ Hamler get mad in the end zone and throw his helmet because Russ you no know, didn't couldn't find him. 
you know, we 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 you know we we see backup quarterbacks yelling at an offensive lineman, and you know we just hear the hear the stories about Russ in this locker room and 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 inside the locker room in Seattle too. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's been reported they're gonna that, that they're gonna do everything they can to entice him to come, but because I th- I think it would be great for the Broncos. Yeah, for for the Broncos it would be great, but for Jim Harbaugh, I don't know if that would be the best, and maybe that would be the best opportunity that's out there. You know, unless some of one of these other jobs, you know, become available. You know, maybe if when Cliff Kingsbury gets fired, would he like would Arizona be an option? You know, it's just something he's going to act act himself. But I, no, I, as far as Jim Harbaugh is concerned, I do think you know his coaching philosophy and his style, you know, benefits more towards the NFL game because on the college level, I mean, to these kids, you know, Jim Harbaugh's personality really isn't that attractive. You know, he he's kind of a you know, he really doesn't give you those he, – he's not that big personality. He really doesn't give you those sound bites. He's kind of quirky. You know, he really doesn't have much to say. You know, he's not a fiery guy, you know, uh, on, the, on, the, on the sidelines like Ryan – like, you know, like you see a Ryan Day yelling or Kirby Smart, you know, being all enthused on the sidelines. So, I, I, I do think he's more fit to lead grown men opposed to 18- and 19-year-old kids. But the question is going to be he's going to ask, ask himself is, you know, is – is the situation I'm in now is is, is it any better than these opportunities that's going to be out there at the NFL level? Right, and like I said, and th- this is why I think he should he should you know I think his best bet would be to stay at Michigan because in all these years at Michigan that he's been here, this is the first time he really he's really had like a like a legit quarterback, you know. J- yeah, exactly. J- you know, JJ McCarthy. I know you know he didn't per se play well you know in the bowl game or whatever, but. You know, we've seen J.J. McCarthy. We've seen flashes of J.J. McCarthy to tell us why he was a highly touted prospect, you know, mm-hmm. out of high school. So this is the first time he's ever had, like, you know, an elite quarterback yeah. at Michigan. So I think that that would be his best bet. You know, probably, you know, after next year, then revisit it. Because like you said, I mean, there aren't any 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 jobs out here in yeah. the NFL. Like, well, I mean, unless, you know a firing happens out of nowhere that we that we don't right. foresee something, right now. Yeah, if something that, you know, that's not as, foreseen right now right. at the moment as happens. As of yeah. right now, at the moment, you know, I if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm I'm staying at Michigan. Yeah, because, you know, that, that's a really good point because, you know, when he first came over to Michigan, he took a lot of heat years years for not getting this going the right. And, and he seems to now, and he seems to have it going in the right direction now. You know, and Michigan is a, is a young t- is got a, has a lot of young players on that team right now. They're going to be really good again next year. So he's going to be right. He's going to have a very good opportunity to not only get back to the college football playoff, but ultimately win it again. So I don't know if when you sit down and you really assess that, you know, is this the right time to, you know, make that transition now? Because there's there's always going to be interest for John Harbaugh. I mean, I'm sorry, Jim Harbaugh in the NFL. Absolutely. So, you know. Because like you said, every year his name seems to come up. Yeah, his name seems to come up. So he's going to have that luxury where, you know, if he doesn't see, you know, Kind of like a Sean, like I said, Sean Payton is going to pretty much have the pick of the litter when it comes to it. I think Jim, Jim Jim Harbaugh is going to have that same luxury. And if you know, if if if, if these opportunities out there aren't aren't as attractive to him, yeah, I mean, I don't see why you would leave Michigan at this point in time. Not for any of the jobs I see out there now. No. So yeah, I agree. I think if I were him, I would I would remain at Michigan at least until this next year because I do believe at some point that Raiders job is going to be open. Which a met what a mess they are right now. Yeah. Or ultimately could be at the end of this year. I, I believe, you know, I, I would sit and wait out another year before I think about making a move if I'm Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um yeah, so let's uh transition to a uh, little NBA. Let's wrap it up a little NBA. Um obviously we've seen, man, these past few days in the NBA, man, there there have been some 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 great performances. I mean, I believe I think I've seen a, a stat where it was like Four four players had fifty points on four straight days, and that was the first time that that's ever happened. So, I mean, there's been some terrific performances. Man. Whether it be you know, obviously we talked about the Luca performance. Giannis just dropped fifty five the other Mitchell, day. Man. You know, Joel Embiid had forty two the other night. Donovan Mitchell with seventy one points. Wow. So, I mean, obviously, man, there's been there's been like this NBA season has been crazy, man. So, I just want to talk about who you think. You know, at this far, who would be your MVP front runners right now? This was hard. I struggled with this one, but it's between two guys. Um, obviously Giannis, who can win it every year with the numbers that he puts up, and yeah, 
The guy who's been who who's won it the last two years. The guy who you're not a fan of, I don't know why. I can't figure it out. I wreck my brain trying to figure out what you don't like about this guy. But ultimately, yeah, he, he's he's. I think I think right now he's the betting favorite to win the award, and I and he and he definitely should be because the guy's just phenomenal. But yeah, that's Nikola Jokic that I'm talking about. So yeah, I came down to those two. But right now, I would pick Giannis because Giannis is doing all this without his second best player on the team. I mean, Chris Middleton's been there for seven games, but I mean, he ba- he basically hasn't been there, and they're a game and a half. I mean, they're they're a half game away from first place, and, and, and Giannis is having an unbelievable season. But Nikola Jokic, I mean, the the guy is averaging twenty six points, eleven rebounds, nine and a half assists on sixty three percent shooting. That's all he's doing. I mean, ho hum. I mean, th- th- that's all he's doing. And oh yeah, by the way, they're number one in the Western Conference. So I would pick Giannis right now. But I wouldn't argue a, 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 a lick if anybody told me that Nikola Jokic won the, was going to win this award. Not one. Because that guy is phenomenal. The best big man in basketball. Thank you very much. You can continue. All right. So my MVP front runners, I got about four or five guys who... Name them in order. Okay, in order. One would be Giannis. Two, I'm going to say Jason Tatum. I know they, they've been having a little bit of a skid right now. This is in order. This is in order. I would say Jason Tatum at two. I know they're having I know the Celtics are having a little bit of a skid right now, but they'll be all right. Um so I got Giannis, Jason Tatum, and I'm gonna say Luca at number three, because we both picked Luca to, to, to be as our MVP favorites at the beginning of the at the beginning of the year, did we, we did. not? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I got Luca number three, and then I'm gonna put Jokic at four. And then at five, I'm gonna go Joel Embiid. But here's why. Here's why I put and, and you're laughing. But here's why I put Jokic at four, though. Not to say that he's not having a phenomenal season because he is. But what have we seen the NBA do over over these past NBA? Yeah, voters fatigue. Voters fatigue. Yep. That's exactly why. But you asked me who I would pick, though. Okay, I'm, this is my list. This is my list, uh-huh. and 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 I'm not here to argue with that. Because Jokic is having a phenomenal season, and I and and I can't hold him that, and I I can't I can't dis, disregard that. What he's doing is, is unbelievable. He's he's probably going to average a triple double for a big man, and that that is crazy. So props to Jokic, but I'm just going off. What so you're the, projecting what you? What yeah, you, I'm projecting. Okay. Right. But I'm just going off what the what the NBA has always done. Right. We've mm-hmm. seen this with LeBron. We seen it with Giannis. Can we have seen like, the, Giannis, Giannis can win, can have like, five like you MVPs said, Giannis right could win MVP every year, every single year, literally every single year. But we have seen this with LeBron. You know that year D Rose won it. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not here to argue with you, but I, I think that MVP should have been Le- LeBron. Le- LeBron, LeBron, could, LeBron could, should have like eight MVPs. He really should because he that was a stretch where he could that he what Giannis is in now. LeBron was in that where he could win MVP literally every single year, but. Yeah, so I'm just going off of that, man, because like I said, Jokic, man, Jokic, Jokic, he's a special talent, man. But man, I think I think Jason Tatum will win it because I think this is I think like I said, fresh blood. Yeah, I think I think the I think the NBA will do this. I think they want to see see Luka win the MVP, and yeah. I think they probably want to see uh, mm-hmm. Jason Tatum win the because MVP. The, the, and, and maybe even Joel yeah. Embiid. I, I, I agree with you on that, because the NBA is all about, you know, marketing and branding their players. Absolutely. And, and, and it, they, they want to expand their league globally-wide, and it, it's always better when you can, for some, for, you know, for as many, for, for different players to, you know, be, you know, kind of, you know, exploited, for whatever reason, lack of a better word, you know, to have uh, some, some exposure. So yeah, I, I can understand that. I can. I, I think you know that. And Jason Tatum is very deserving of the award. Now, I'm not just saying that because that's the reason. You know, he's played well enough this year to win the award. But when I just look at the season that Nikola Jokic is having, from my point of view, from from where I sit, from what I've watched this year, he's my MVP. Now you may be right. All that may be operating what you just said. The voters' fatigue. We've seen it before in the past. But if the, there's no, I, I, it's hard for me. The only reason I gave Giannis the edge over Jokic right now is because, you know, he's doing all this while Chris Middleton in their game and a half out of the first place in the East. But Jokic has his team number one in the Western Conference, and the man is averaging 27 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists on 63% shooting. Unworldly numbers for a big. 
I mean, he he is as skilled of a basketball player at, at, that there that there is right now. But th- yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, you know, like like. But here's the thing, you know, it's early. It still is early. It's early because, and if you know the the Nets keep playing how they've been playing, I may even throw KD in there. You never know; he may creep into that conversation at the end of the, at the by the end of the year. You never know. Because the Nets have been playing some really good basketball of late, Great. and you know I can't, I can't, you know, like I said, I can't poo poo that, I can't disregard that. You know, like what do we say? We do it. We be fair. So I mean, I can't disregard that. So I think it's it, man. I think it's up in the air because who, like I mean, like you say, I, I'm projecting, but who's to say? You know, you know the the Nuggets don't start, you know. Losing some games here and there, you know, start falling down the ranks a little bit. So I mean, the guy, the guy that I would that I would have that I would have said deserves some man, but he just got hurt again. I would have said that Zion should have started, you know, kind of creeping up in that uh, MVP discussion. But then obviously, he just went down again. He's gonna miss three or four weeks with an hamstring injury. So, um, but yeah, it, it's not over by a long shot. There's a lot that can transpire between you know now and the end of the season for uh for, for this award. But as of right now, um. I think it says that, you know, I, I would have Jokic and Giannis, you know, at the top. And, you know, you know and, you know, Tatum and, 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 and Luka would be, you know, right there behind them. Yeah, I think. And, and Giannis is averaging 33-12 and, and 5 on He's him. unbelievable. Best playing basketball. That, we, I'm, I'm not here to dispute, dispute, dispute that. I mean, yeah, Giannis is, is clearly the best player in the game. But, you know. That doesn't always equate to winning the MVP. We know that for it sure. So, unfortunately, if that's the case. Doesn't. LeBron would have had 15 by now. Yeah. But uh, speaking of that, I, I want to ask you real quick. You, since you did bring up the Brooklyn Nets, um, is Jock Vaughn coach of the year? Yes. You think so? Yes, absolutely. Because if I mean, I don't. I don't want to pile on Steve Nash as much as everybody else has, but I mean. It just seemed like that that they were just tired of Steve, tired of Steve Nash. I think this is not taking away. I, and from, I think I know, think we I think it's evident what we're seeing with them, but how they, how different this team. Yeah, looks and they they they. I mean, you, you, they play, They're playing. They're playing for Jock Vaughn. It seems like. Yeah. And when Steve Nash was coach, they didn't. It seemed like they didn't want to play for Steve Nash. Yeah, and 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 I, I don't, and I don't like that either. I think that kind of you know reflects bad on the players. You know, when you see stuff like that happen, I mean, I don't. I mean, you you still got to go out there and perform. You're an athlete. Absolutely, but I mean, here's the thing, though. We don't know what goes on in the locker room. We don't know what goes on at the, at, at these practices. So, so I can't, you know, definitively yeah. say, you know, that I can't put it on the players. You know, you know what I mean. So, like I said, you know, we're not in that locker room. We're not in the prices. We don't see what happens behind the scenes. But all I can say is what I see out on the court. Mm-hmm. And what I what I seen out on the court from when Steve Nash was the coach, and now that Jacques Vaughn was the, is the coach. Is a night and day difference. That's what I will say. It's a night and day it's difference. It's a night and day difference because I, I think what we're seeing is that, like you know, they they kind of have an identity now, which is something is that they 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 never had under Steve Nash. And, and if you watch him play, you'll see, you know, Jack Jack Vaughn and his, his you know his imprint really shows in the offensive end because now they have an identity. When you see, they like to get the ball in, in the spot because. They, I think he came in with the mindset. Okay, look, let's let's see what we 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 have a lot of deficiencies, a lot more so on the defensive end where we, we, uh, we get rebound out rebounding a lot. But what do we do well? They're a very good mid range jump shooting team, so their offense is predicated around you know getting the ball to KD, you know right there on the elbow on the wing and his mid range shots, Kyrie. So he's done a really good job of coming in, you know, building an identity for this team. Getting these guys to recommit, get them remote, uh, motivated again, and kind of making you know, kind of making uh, the Brooklyn Nets look bad. And uh, who's their general manager again? What's his name? Um, Sean Marks. Sean Marks. Yeah. Kind of making him and the upper management look bad because he he's making it seem like this should have been his job from the get go. Because remember, you know, when they fired Kenny Atkinson, he ultimately took over for Kenny Atkinson, and then they made the decision to go over to Steve Nash. But yeah, credit to Jack Vaughn. I got him. I, I I would favor him for coach of the year right now. And another and, person I would say, I know you just mentioned Zion, but Will, I was Willie, Willie Green. Green. Willie I would Green put him definitely. In there. If they can if they can keep winning without Zion, yeah. and and I think and I think we've seen that they that they can because last year we seen what they did. They were a playoff team. Yeah. Without him, but I think you know with yeah. and Joe Mazzula, Joe Mazzula too as well. 
Yeah, but I don't know, man, because the Celtics, they seem like they're not playing defense anymore now that I'm as not, Udoka is not. Yeah, but see, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think they really miss his defensive presence. I think they really miss his voice on the defensive end. Yeah, but, but see, here, here's the thing. Was different when Jacques Vaughn took over with the, from the Nets. They really didn't have any expectations because you know they were just you know they were firing our coach. You know we we we're not really expected to you know so so there really, there really was no pressure on Jacques Vaughn when he took over in that role. When 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 Joe Mazzulla took over, they still had the expectations of you know getting back to the finals because that's where they well, were last uh, year. I'm gonna disagree with you on that. Because anytime you have a team with KD and Kyrie, yeah, but there there are expect yeah, there are some but expectations. It, it wasn't, but we seen how I was looking at. There, there, I mean, I I think we we were all out on the Brooklyn Nets at that point in time. There's no way that we thought that they can reach the level that they're reaching now. I don't think nobody expected this out of this team from uh, from when they when they ultimately made that coaching change. So I don't think this was you know, like I said, give them credit, done a hell of a job. But you know, no one foreseen this and if they did they're a profit and I want to come talk to you because I don't know them lottery numbers <laughs> but yeah when Joe took over they still had those expectations of being you know getting back to where they were last year and he didn't you know he he like you know he he didn't foresee this I mean that whole Ame Udoka situation just came seemed like it happened overnight so I, I, I'm not you know I was favored Jack Von, Jack Vine to win the award I'm just saying he deserves some definitely some consideration. He may not. Yeah, I agree. It definitely like they've taken a step back defensively, but they're far more efficient on offense right now. Jalen Brown looks. I mean, looks to be a better player under Joe was uh, under Joe than he did under I may. Um, and obviously the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. I think that's. I think that's made. That's brought out the better in Marcus Smart as well. So they're still a good team. I know they're struggling right now. You can't give up 150 points to OKC without without SGA. You can't do that if you're a championship team. I'm sorry, that that's that's not not that's not what you need to do. But yeah, uh, yeah, Jock Vaughn, give him all the credit in the world, man, and and credit them for not blowing it up. Because I, I think me and you both said, you know, before the season we picked, you know, how we thought this kind of unfold. I think we said. Man, when you look at the Brooklyn Nets roster and that talent they got on the roster, how could you not, you know, contend? Can, yeah. Think that they can that, that they can make a run at this thing, and that's what was so shocking when we looked at it and seen how bad it was. We were like, man, these guys just must not they they just must not be all in as one. And Jock Vaughn has done a great job of coming in and making this team and you know and reunifying this team. So yeah, he's definitely he's definitely my pick for coach of the year. Absolutely. Real quick before we get out of here, I know. Um, they're not worthy of talking about a lot these days, the Lakers. But let's talk a little bit about LeBron. We got man. to man. Let's talk a little bit about LeBron, man. Uh, we see, we seen what what he obviously what he did on his birthday, and we seen what he did um, a couple days ago. Um, I can't remember who they were playing. I know they played the Hawks, the Hornets, the Hornets, um, and LeBron, man. And we we we've said this. That any given night, LeBron can give you can give can give you a virtuoso mm-hmm. can can turn the clock back, and and I was and I was reading today and I seen some I think he's like four hundred and ninety five points away from breaking Kareem's scoring record. Yeah, uh, he's not playing tonight, so I believe that's he has like forty four games to do. I did I did a little bit of math, so he would have to average if say if he plays. I believe there's forty five games left. Let's just take an account. He plays thirty eight thirty nine games. He would have to average twelve point. 12, like twelve around twelve points per game, so what, what around what game or around what time do you think he, he's going to break that record? I think it'll be before March. It'll happen somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in February if he if he keeps on this pace because they're they're saying that Anthony Davis is pretty close to coming back. So you would think you would think you know when he, when AD eventually does come back that that that, that those that the, this scoring is going to temper back somewhat. But I still think he'll give you you know twenty to twenty five points a night. So I think that will put him at like he set out tonight. Yeah, he's out so, tonight. So uh, I think that will put him on a pace from maybe about twenty eighteen and nineteen to twenty games somewhere in between that. So that mm-hmm. will put him like right, right towards the end of February. I, I'll say it'll happen before before or after All Star break. I, huh? Before or after All Star break. All Star break is February. It's usually like middle of February. I would say after. After? After the All-Star. I would say it'll happen early March at the latest. Okay. okay. But, but yeah, man, let, let's just 
Can we just appreciate what we what we seeing from this man? Thirty eight years of age, year twenty, in the National Basketball Association, and this man. You you talk about the virtual also that he put on for on display the other night against the Hawks. Then we seen what he did against Michael Jordan's team, the Hornets. And I've always said that I think that LeBron is going to be one of those players that's his legacy is going to be far more appreciated, you know, 10, 20 years down the line from when he, from when he's done than it is in the present. Because Michael Jordan was a player who he, he was he he was appreciated you know, by everyone, everyone thought that he was the goat. Why he the greatest? Why he was playing? You know, LeBron has built such you know an expectation for himself. Is like that every time when he does it, it's like ho hum. You know, that's just you know that's just LeBron. And I've been guilty of this year. Me, the biggest LeBron fan, I've been kind of guilty of this also this year. Like looking at what this man has been doing and just been like, oh, okay, well, yeah, they're not winning. So I mean, I know I know he's great, but. When you just sit back and see, like what this man is doing right now, because what we what we love to do, we, we love every chance we get, we love to elevate people, try and elevate people over LeBron. We try and say every, every chance we get, we try to make the case that you know he's towards the end. We try and turn the music on him. We, we we try to you know call out the Sandman on this dude, and all he does is just break the mold continuously. You know, there's so much stigma around him. There's there's so much controversy around him that people just don't realize what what he's putting on display is arguably the most unprecedented thing that you've ever seen in sports. You've never seen somebody this late in their career perform at this level. I mean, you're talking about, like, back to the scoring record. Like, Kareem is at, his record is 38,387. LeBron is on pace to probably like shatter that. Like he's on pace like probably for 40,000 40, 41 exactly. 40 maybe 42 depending on how many years he has left. So I mean like that when you just think about that in its totality that that a player can c- could score 40,000 career points that that yeah. that's just insane. And and, and, and and this is what I hear all the time. Well, he's played this long, he should break it. So so all oh so so LeBron should break, so all the players outside of Kareem that played before LeBron they they weren't supposed to break it but LeBron was supposed to break it. I mean, it, it, like just appreciate what this man is doing. I'm telling you, you you gonna miss him when he's gone. You, you you gonna miss him. We are going to miss him when he's gone. The game will never ever see anything like what this man is doing right now. You won't see it. I mean, and you know, like I said, I, I've been guilty of it as late. I'm the hugest LeBron fan, but and I, I I've been kind of like you know, you know, not really you know, marveling at what this man has been doing. I've just been kind of taking it with a grain of salt. Like, well, you know, I know he's great. He's LeBron. He's in my opinion, he's the best to ever do it. And not really realizing what he is doing is just a complete anomaly, never been done before. Go look at how Kareem looked when he was when, and I didn't see Kareem, but go back and look at the numbers that he was putting up in year twenty. Go back and look at the late great Kobe Bryant guy, rest his soul. Some of those guys that played this deep into their career. The most recent one I think was Vince, did Vince. What did Vince called to play like twenty two years or something like that. Twenty two. Go, go look at go look at how he looked. And turn on the table, LeBron James. You tell me what the comparisons are. You tell me that, you know, that it, it, he should be doing what he's doing. And where's, where's the track record? How should he be doing this when this has never been done before? We got to appreciate him, man. Because one day we're going to look up and he ain't going to be there. Absolutely, man. LeBron, just a just a, just an all-time great basketball player, man. So, yeah, I just appreciate the greatness. Um, it'll be... Be crazy, be crazy, be awesome to see and break break that scoring record, man. When it does happen, but all right, that's a wrap for brotherly love of sports, man. Oh, and real quick, uh, can can I? Uh, yeah, and I, I've been meaning to do this uh, on her for a while, because uh, you know I'm one of those that believe you know the 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 the, the praise has to be as loud as the disrespect, and I just want to say 
Russell Westbrook has been unbelievable in his role since he came off the bench. He's played very well. And he deserves to be committed for how he's been playing. So I, I just don't want nobody to think that I'm not about fairness because, you know, I've been very critical of Russ. And, but I, I do I, I want to I, mean, I know it's just a saying Like the praise has to be Be as big as the disrespect But let, let's get this straight There was never I mean, disrespect the, You know what you're right That was a bad choice of words you know, the, 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 praise, the praise needs to be loud As the criticism I mean that, That's probably what I meant to say So yeah Give Russ deserves some credit he, He's played he's, play, he's been unbelievable He's been he, he's, he really has Yeah shout out to Russ But uh, thank you all for tuning in Once Absolutely. again Absolutely uh, Brotherly Love of Sports man Thank you all for tuning in you all have a safe day. Again, man, prayers up for Pray for DeMar. DeMar Hamlin, man. Thank you all for tuning in.